Imagine That Studios and Karu Studios in association with Harper Voyager Books presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 1 The Official Anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences In the Spirit of Christmas by T. Morris Christmas, 1895 Wellington Thornhill Books Esquire had not planned for anything out of the ordinary this Christmas Eve. His agenda called for a candlelight service at his church, a special treat of goose for Archimedes when he got home, and then to bed, rising the next morning to a day of progress on his current work. He had solved the challenge of thrust. Now it was a matter of control over pitch and yaw. That mystery he planned to solve as a gift for himself. His Christmas plans did not include in any way, shape, or form investigation into an occurrence of any kind, peculiar or otherwise. He now bit his lip hard, as he watched the third apparition appear. Not a single confirmed haunting, but a third, in the same location, in the same night. Not free-floating orbs, not wisps of mist, not partial apparitions. Full body apparitions. This spirit appeared more imposing than the others. It was tall, wearing tattered ancient robes that insinuated druidic origins, and while the shadows concealed its face, Wellington could easily make out pale bones protruding from the robe's cuffs. His eyes immediately darted to the other side of the room. They had already done this twice before in the evening. This third procedure should be effortless. The old man had dropped to one knee, as they had planned, almost as if he were about to propose marriage. As the other spirits had appeared completely and totally cognizant of verbal and physical communication, it was a strategy to lower the next fantastic creature's defenses. Unlike the other visitations, this spirit fed on the very life of the room. Wellington felt despair well up inside him. The temperature in this already cold, dreary place felt as if it had dropped even further. I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, the old man spoke his earlier confidence seeming dashed and destroyed. No reply came from the ghost, save for a gesture. It pointed downward, inclining its bony hand towards him. You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us, the old man, his words forming as puffs of fog around his mouth, pressed. Is that so, spirit? The ghost inclined its head, the only answer this bare apartment's sole occupant received. Amazing, Wellington thought to himself. It, too, is fully responsive to corporal beings. Never have I seen such consistent interaction at one haunting. Ghost of the future, the old man exclaimed. I fear you more than any specter I have seen. 
But as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man for what I was, I am prepared to bear you company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? Wellington furrowed his brow. Laying it on a bit thick, aren't you? The specter gave no reply, but extended its hand straight before them. Very well. Then the old man stepped back and shouted, Get him! Eliza pushed back the curtain that had concealed her and threw back the switch on the Tesla McTeague Fitzroy paraphysical containment rifle. Or as the three inventors had nicknamed it, the Phantom Confounder. The dark lenses of her goggles flickered from the tendrils of energy erupting from its bell-shaped barrel. The Confounder attempted to ensnare the ghost where it stood, but suddenly, the rifle kicked in Eliza's arms, and a pop rang out from the weapon's transistor. Several tendrils went wide, destroying two small figurines on the fire's mantelpiece, and bouncing off the mirror over the same mantelpiece and striking a small gas lamp on the wall. The wall fixture exploded, making the phantom and old man recoil. Bugger! Eliza spat. Wellington, we have a problem! Dash it all. Wellington emerged from his hiding place, sliding the small metal plate underneath the spirit, it was stumbling, so the creature was stunned. At present, this could work in their favor. The plate stopped just behind the ghost. Wellington grabbed the old man and dove. He was thankful that this man enjoyed the indulgence of a luxurious bed. Stay here, Mr. Scrooge, he said before rolling away from him and returning to his feet. He opened the drawer of Scrooge's bedstand and produced a small control box, Wellington pressed the green button, and the ghost lurched as the plate began to rattle. He felt his throat constrict as he adjusted a pair of dials on the wireless in his grasp. The black specter was still moving too much. Eliza! Wellington called. Just a moment, if you please. The generator is still warming up. The plate rattled louder. We don't have a few minutes! Just another... The phantom let out a low, guttural scream. Close enough. The confounder exploded in a brilliant flash, pure energy whipping and wrapping around the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Back at me, strong, muttered Eliza. Hold him there, Wellington said as he adjusted the settings on his controls. And I've got him! His thumb lifted the guard on the red switch and flipped it to the open position. The metal plate split revealing a dark mass that churned and bubbled underneath the ghost. Eliza shut down the confounder as the shadows reached up, grabbing hold of the phantom. Its struggle now grew frantic, but Wellington knew the portal's pull would not falter. The creature gave one final reach before surrendering to the great maw underneath him. Wellington returned the switch to the closed position, and the portal slid shut. He took a deep breath and afforded a smile. Three spirits, three captures. Not bad for one evening. Apart from a momentary cock-up, that went rather well, I thought. Eliza said, breaking the silence. Yes, 
Wellington replied, motioning to the massive device now resting across her shoulders. About that. I think it was that second ghost. Did you see the size of him? She motioned with her head to the confounder. I think its calibration might have been thrown off. I'll make sure to check it when we get back to the office. Her smile, he always thought, was quite disarming. It was made even more so when she lifted her tinted goggles and rested them across her forehead. The soot and grime from the confounder had darkened and stained her face, save for a small band of pale white skin across her eyes. He was about to comment when he heard a soft scratching coming from the bed where he had left Ebenezer Scrooge. Wellington turned to find Scrooge muttering something to himself and then quickly making notations on a small piece of parchment. Mr. Scrooge, Wellington began, Are you well? As well as can be expected, Scrooge returned, his eyes noting the parchment as he turned back to the two of them. I would have been asleep hours ago had we not tonight to contend with. Well now, Mr. Scrooge, no need to worry, Eliza said. You can sleep most soundly now, thanks to the Ministry. Of that, I have no doubt. Scrooge's eyes looked at both of them, his mouth stretching into a thin frown. Though I still have no inkling exactly what Ministry you serve. He glanced at the parchment and then presented it to Wellington. And now, your bill. Wellington and Eliza both gave a start, but the archivist was still staring at the bill when Eliza replied, Our what? For damages to my estate, Scrooge motioned to the scorched mirror over the fireplace and the destroyed gas lamp. And let's not forget the parlor where you ensnared the ghost of Christmas present. Eliza scoffed. As much as I hate to repeat myself, but did you see the size of him? You claim this sort of thing to be a speciality. I was unaware that damage to personal property came with your unique services. Her eyes returned to the paper in Wellington's hand, and then back to Scrooge. You build us. For your time. In my occupation, I must be alert and well-rested. My mind is far more reliable than any difference engine, provided I get enough sleep. And as I am presently not asleep and working with you all, my time is therefore billable. And as I anticipate that I will not simply drift off to sleep in the wake of tonight's excitement, this is time billable to your organization as direct consequences to your actions. You've got some cheek, mate. Eliza spat. I pay my taxes. And as I mentioned to some rather insistent annoyances earlier this day, my taxes help to support the establishments of our government. They cost enough. My taxes, however, should not be expected to be exempt from damages upon my personal property due to your incompetence. Now Wellington took offense. I crave a pardon, sir, but we captured your ghosts. All but one, Scrooge said, his tone so sorrowful that it was insulting. Molly's ghost is still at large, I am afraid. And did your partner not admit to her own ineptitude when your contraption there failed to capture the final spirit? Her voice seemed colder than the apartments themselves. Tread carefully. Both men looked to Eliza, whose fingers were splaying slowly around the butt of the confounder. Mr. Scrooge, Wellington began, clearing his throat lightly. <clears throat> Please consider that your case would have been dismissed as the rantings of a mad old man if our Scotland Yard contact had not happened to relay it to our ministry. 
Ms. Brown and I happened to be in the office on its arrival, and we dropped everything in order to give your case our attention. I applaud your dedication to your civic duty, Scrooge returned. His expression then turned dark. Now, unless you wish me to adjust my invoice for the time you are continuing to take without any consideration to me, I suggest you collect your infernal devices and depart. Good evening. He turned back to his four-poster bed and crawled between the sheets. He went to blow out his candle, but paused on seeing Wellington and Eliza still standing there. The front door has not moved since your arrival. He motioned with his head to his bedroom door. Good evening. Eliza's grumbling was the only sound Wellington could hear as they saw themselves out of the dark, dreary apartments. It had just started to snow, meaning that even with their efforts to bundle against the elements, a long, cold walk home stretched before them. Wellington checked his watch and saw it was just past midnight. How these spirits could alter time would have been something he would have loved to investigate. Could Scrooge's apartments have been constructed at some sort of temporal convergence point? His thoughts were scattered by Eliza, the bulk of her confounder looking rather odd against her heavy fur coat. <sighs> Jolly nice. I have to walk home, I suppose, after carrying out our civic duty. It seems that way, Wellington muttered. She looked back up to the window that remained lit softly, and then winked into darkness. Old bugger really needs taking to task, doesn't he? He does seem a bit cantankerous, Wellington agreed. It took a few steps further and Eliza stopped. He turned to look at her in the gaslight. The grime across her face seemed darker now, making the area once protected by her goggles seeming to glow in the night. I'm sorry, Wellington. Tonight was truly a night of surprises. I'm sorry, Miss Braun. Wellie, I know you probably had other plans for Christmas. Perhaps a fine dinner with family or some such. But I was quite happy to have this case appear in the pneumatic system when it did. Well, of course you did. It was a chance to return to the field as you had... I did not look forward to another Christmas alone. His brow furrowed. Hugh, the vivacious Eliza D. Braun alone at Christmas... Christmas is a time for family, and my own is... Her voice trailed off, and now, with a pronounced clean skin around her eyes, the tears welling in there were evident. Wellington felt a warmth swell in his chest. Eliza had been insistent on him joining her on this case, but not to return to the life of a field agent. She wanted to spend Christmas with family. Instead, she chose to spend Christmas with the next best thing. I'm flattered, Miss Braun. And he truly was. Tonight had been a delightful Christmas gift. He then looked around himself and realized, Oh, dash it all. I forgot the portal plate at Scrooge's. <clears throat> uh, better go get it then, Eliza said, sniffling a bit. I'll wait for you here. Wellington took a quick step back to the detestable man's apartments, but stopped. 
He looked over to the wireless controller slung over his shoulder, looked back at Eliza, and then back towards Scrooge's. You know, Miss Braun, Wellington said, a smile forming across his face. Wireless telegraphy is an amazing technology of our age. Before it, we would have to be tethered to devices in order to make them work. Eliza inclined her head to one side. Yes, she said plainly. And your point? With wireless advances, we can now operate devices of all sorts. And he flipped the safety up on the portal plate switch. From great distances. His thumb pushed the portal plate switch to open. And only a few seconds later... The window of Scrooge's bedroom exploded with light. On hearing Scrooge scream, he turned back to his partner. Mr. Scrooge said his time was valuable. So now he can take them all at once and have it over, yes? Eliza glanced at the brilliant, frantic display erupting from Scrooge's window, then looked back to Wellington. Alice will be off for the day, but I know a butcher who usually has a nice bit of New Zealand lamb. If you are available for Christmas dinner, Wellington, would you... Care to enjoy the holiday with a touch of Aotearoa? Wellington smiled. I would be delighted. He extended his arm to her, and with his wireless controller slung over his shoulder, and her confounder resting on her shoulder, the two walked into the night, leaving fresh tracks in the gathering snow around them. Another scream from Scrooge's apartments cut through the night. Merry Christmas, Eliza. Merry Christmas, Willie. Morris began his writing career with his 2002 historical epic fantasy, Moravi, The Chronicles of Rafe and Ascana. In 2005, T took Moravi into the then-unknown podosphere, making his novel the first book, Podcast, in its entirety. That experience led to the founding of Podiobooks.com and collaborating with Evo Terra and Chuck Tomasi on Podcasting for Dummies and its follow-up, expert podcasting practices for dummies. He won acclaim and accolades for his cross-genre fantasy detective Billy Bob Badding's Mysteries, the podcast of The Case of the Singing Sword winning him the 2008 Parsec Award for Best Audio Drama. Phoenix Rising, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel, marks T's return to fiction and it can be heard on both Tales from the Archives and his latest podcast project, The Shared Desk. For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, order your copy of Phoenix Rising, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel, from your favourite bookstore or online from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com or the iBookstore. Original music composed by Alex White. Find out more at TheGearHeart.com This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org.
Tales from the Archives, and Imagine That Studios, Koru Studios, Harper Voyager Production. I'm T. Morris. And I'm Philippa Ballantyne. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.